Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Controller Podcast, episode 217. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to not do what I promised you last week. So if you remember correctly, I am not here. I'm a ghost of my former self, my former PCFX self, uh, in, uh, in North Carolina. So I'm not here right now. I cannot give you a podcast about whatever's going on, whatever we've been playing, whatever's going on in the news. Don't know anything about it. Don't ask me. Don't don't ask my your podcast a question, silly. Um, and so the idea was that I was going to record a podcast that was about a particular topic, um, and 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 talk about that. And so the topic I had chosen was kind of taking kind of a broad view of like what I look for in games in terms of not only like what I'm looking to enjoy in games, but also trying to talk about like what gets me excited in announcements and things like that, and why I kind of pick and choose certain things to to focus on, um, when, when they come out. And so like, even though some games I really like, like I kind of get, have to shove them to the side, unfortunately. Um, and when I actually sat down and recorded it and then listened to the podcast afterwards, I was like, this is bad. This is boring. It's like very normal conversations about like what you like in games kind of thing, which is not bad per se. And I thought maybe it'd be more interesting cause I have like weird tastes, but when I actually sat down and like had it all on paper or, or an audio file, I was like, actually, this is not anything worth talking about, really. So, <laughs> so, so here we are today. I could not think of another topic um, in the short time since it's only been 24 hours since I recorded the last podcast. And I'll be honest with you, um, I, I, well, well, rather, not really. I'll be honest with you. I just, I, I I'm probably not gonna have time to try to figure something out. Um, and I only got, I have to stream Wednesday, so that leaves me Monday and Tuesday to do something. So here I am. Um, this is going to be a more rambly episode than usual. I'm just going to kind of talk about stuff. Probably we'll probably do at least one video gaming bit, if not multiple. Um, there are some things I I have in mind that I do want to like chat about a little bit. Um, but I'm probably just going to be kind of going through my brain and just saying stuff, which honestly is kind of what this podcast is already, (laughs) but but maybe even more so than usual. Um, one thing I do want to talk about in relation to the last podcast that went, the actual podcast that posted, um, is, uh, at the end of that podcast, I asked people about the coffee thing. I, I try to remember to like, to, to make people aware that the coffee things exist, which if you don't know what coffee is, it's a platform where you can donate money to content creators and things like that. You can put like goals and rewards and things like that. And hopefully in the near future, um, what it sounds like is they're going to add like a more Patreon model to their free, uh, free setup. And the reason I didn't do a paid setup for coffee initially is because like, I wanted to make sure that whatever money I invest into that would, would at least come back donations, depending on the consistency of it. So I went to kind of go a while and just see what that looked like in terms of how much money is coming in from that. Not that I'm like, I'm going to make a bunch of money off this kind of thing, right? Like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm really not expecting anything like that. Um, but, uh, um, but they are doing like a Patreon model. I know people had asked me to do that before, so I will probably switch to that once it's available for free users and allow you to subscribe for a mo- every month if you want to. Again, I do not need the money. So anything that we're doing in there is only to be like, okay, here's this weird thing that we're going to buy to make something work. The first goal was that we were going to get a um, SD media reader that I could use for, well, well more than just like an SD card, it's like compact flash. And I think it also can read PSP memory cards and things like that. Um, so I bought one of those and it ended up being quite a bit cheaper than I thought it would be. So I put the rest of the money towards the second goal, which we did meet as I was editing the last episode. So even though, even before I could put out that, that call to be like, Hey, by the way, coffee, it still exists. Um, 
somebody donate all the money to get to our next or to our, our, our second goal. So the second goal was um, that we were going to get Active Life Challenge. I want to get a new copy of Active Life Challenge, which if you don't know what that is, it is a a Wii game that's in the Family Trainer series. Family Trainer was like this old Famicom, you know, series. If, if the power pad in the U.S. where you're, like, you know, hitting the the buttons with your hands or your feet, if you're playing like a real person that that was not cheating, um, that is basically what the Family Trainer series is. I don't know if that was technically what it was, but it is basically the same concept at the very least. Um, and and so the the uh, uh, Active Life series is by Bandai Namco. It's kind of a successor to that. Um, and it, it actually, interestingly enough, like the, the power pad that it comes with being on the Wii, you think would connect to the Wii remote, right? So it had, like the Wii ha- remote has that little slot in the bottom. We connect nunchucks, classic controllers, all that stuff. It does not. It actually is wired to connect to the, um, the GameCube port, which, you know, may have made sense at the time. But, uh, one thing I came across when I was looking at this were all these warnings on these games that are like, Hey, after 2010, like if you have a Wii after 2010, you actually can't use this because they removed the GameCube ports. So like every listing online was like, by the way, buddy, better have yourself an old Wii or else you ain't, you ain't going to be able to play this. So, so that was kind of an interesting thing I never thought about. Um, thankfully I recently bought a Wii with GameCube controller ports because my other Wii died. Um, I tried to fix it at one point, but then it died even more. So, uh, so now I have this other Wii that I, I haven't really been using that much because I haven't really needed GameCube controller ports that often. But now, now I got it for what I need. Who's laughing now? Me, who spent however much money on that Wii when I did <laughs> and haven't used it since really outside of one specific scenario. Uh, so anyways, Billy Hatcher Game Boy Advance games. We did that on the Wii. Um, anyways, but the, 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 the point being, um, that, uh, I got this, this thing and then the goal was that I was going to get the, the new copies. I don't know. Maybe this is just like one of my weird hangups, but, um, feet based peripherals, like a Wii Fit board or something. I don't really want somebody else's foot based peripheral. <laughs> I don't want something that somebody else been putting their feet on. I feel like I'm going to have to get over that at some point because I'm going to, Probably need to get a Wii, Wii Fit board at some point. But as of today, I've been kind of holding out. And so getting a new pad, and, they, and like those pads are not like, it's like a DDR pad, right? Like one of the home console ones. It's not built to last, really. So I was like, oh, well, if we get a new one, then maybe it'll hold up for, for the all four games. Me and my giant man adult body that will crush those buttons. <laughs> Anyways, so I was like, I'm going to get a new one of that. And then like a new copy with um, the 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 original packing game, Outdoor Challenge, was like 40 bucks. But I ended up finding up uh, finding the pads that were, were actually sold by themselves as well. So I bought the pad by itself for like 20 bucks. And then I was able to, for another $30, get all four games associated with the Active Life series. So that being Outdoor Challenge, Extreme Challenge, um, outdoor challenge is like more of just like outdoor kind of activity stuff, like log, like I think you like canoe and stuff like that. Or at some point, it's just like more kind of generic outdoor stuff happening. Extreme challenge is based around extreme sports from, from what I can tell. So skateboarding, BMX, things like that. And then you have the Explorer active life game, which is like basically going through like uh, ruins and like dodging stuff. And then you also have, I think it's called like Ma- magic fantasy or something like that it's like a it's like set in a magic theme park and there's like dancing and and riding brooms and things like that these are all like basically mini games collections as far as i can tell uh but since it's like a bandai namco franchise and i've been converted to wii bandai namco games since i really loved wii ski 
I was like, I'm really excited for trying this out. And it seems like a weird, fun thing. And uh, we're going to stream it at some point. It'll be a bonus stream. It won't replace an existing stream. So I'll, I'll set up a time to 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 stream it. And I'll let you guys know. I'm probably going to try to shoot for like a weekend or something like that for that stream. But anyway, so I was able to get all those for 50 bucks. So a little over what the goal was. But I, I mean, I don't mind paying it. You know, essentially, it was $10 for all that. Like four video games and a power pad. Sure, man. Go. Anyways, for those who donated, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll probably be talking in the Discord about when we'll try to schedule that stream. I'm sure I'll tweet about it as well. Um, and uh, I don't know how kind of physically taxing those games are, but you know, obviously, if I can, I'll I'll play them a, a at least a good chunk of time. I think at least thirty minutes each, right? Um, but but we'll we'll, we'll see how how that goes. Uh, I am excited to check it out. And in doing this, actually, so there's a couple things I, I, I noticed when doing this is like, if you've ever seen these games, the box arts in the U.S. are the most like we U.S. box arts of just like children on the front jumping up or doing whatever, like real children that are just like a picture of kids. And you're like, OK, whatever. But these games actually have a very nice kind of like aesthetic. It's kind of like whiskey's a look in a lot of ways, but more more like cell shaded and, a lot, and, and, and things like that. Um, and, and like, I think the magic fantasy one has like these almost like lemming looking characters. It actually reminds me, if you want, Hey, video game that probably most of you guys aren't going to know about monster maker for the PC engine. The characters remind me of monster maker a little bit. These like weird little lemmings people with these big eyes. Look up monster maker for the uh, PC engine. That's, that, that's a nice looking, has nice looking character art. I like the character art just for that, uh, uh, uh quite a bit. But um, yeah, they have like these neat aesthetics and the boxes actually reflect those in Japan and Europe. The exception being Extreme Challenge. I think in every region, Extreme Challenge, which was Family Fitness Trainer or Family Trainer 2 in Japan, uh, had kids on the front as well. So so they at least like try to push that aesthetic. But the, the boxes are all way better in Japanese. Unfortunately, I have all US copies, but I did get them in, in, in good condition. I, I was able to see all of them before I purchased them. Uh, I ended up buying them mostly from eBay um, separately, uh, but one of them I got like in a bundle deal, so I was able to get each one for like five bucks, and then the other two I got for about ten dollars each. Which, you know, for for buying online Wii games, it's about right. You know, it's it, if you're in a store, I feel like I used to love going dollar Wii game hunting at Game Stops. That's where Wii Ski came from. That's where Counterforce came from. You know, uh, Elibits that we're playing right now that came from a dollar dollar Game Stop uh, shopping tour of Wii games, but pretty much after, um, you know, 2020, uh, not only has GameStop gotten a little, a lot of, rid of a lot of their Wii collection. Um, if you look to buy Wii games, they typically range closer to $5, which is not a bad price, right? That is still less than what you can like, you know, if you go to like McDonald's and buy like a big Mac meal or something, you're probably paying about, or if not more for that. So, you know, whatever you're getting on the Wii, is 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 still pretty cheap if, as long as you're looking for the right stuff right if you're looking for whatever i don't know path of or radiant dawn or something sure you're gonna be in an expensive hell but if you're looking for a battle rage met conflict that nobody cares about five bucks is probably a good price to play for battle <laughs> battle rage there there are games you can definitely spend way or spend better games you can definitely buy for five dollars but it's somebody who just likes exploring the wii library it's a it's a fun thing. So I'm excited for checking checking these games out. Um, as I said, we'll, we'll stream them at some point. And then, you know, hopefully if, if I like them, um, then we can do something more with them in the future. Um, if not, well, at least we looked at them. It's a cool thing to look at, I guess. I assume they're all minigame collections, so I don't know how much depth there will be there. I don't think it's going to be like Wii Ski, where like Wii Ski, the thing with Wii Ski is that it wasn't just like a minigame collection. 
it was like a whole open world thing with quests and stuff like that that I was not expecting that game to be at all. So I was I was kind of you know knocked knocked on my bum by that game, kicked me kicked swiped my feet out from under me, and then whiskey and snowboard ruined it all. <laughs> I feel I feel bad because everybody goes and looks at my whiskey and snowboard review because they look up whiskey review and the whiskey and snowboard one shows up, and that review is just like I cannot this game. <laughs> Whiskey was so good, and then they trashed it. And then my Whiskey video was like 30 minutes of me just talking over Whiskey. Whiskey is a very cool game, though. You should play Whiskey on the Wii if you're into that thing. Family thing. Family trainers. Speaking of other stuff that I bought, um, I actually <laughs> kind of had an interesting conversation with, uh, or I don't know about conversation per se, but uh, Vink messaged me this morning um, because he found a game called Angel Present for the Dreamcast, a game I never really heard about. Um, and I was, well, he, he was messaging me for a very specific reason. Uh, it, it had a Hunex logo on it, right? So it's like, okay, Hunex worked on this kind of thing in some way, way or fashion. The thing you always have to kind of look with Hunex stuff is like, okay, did they actually make this or did they port it? Right? Because they, they poured a lot of stuff, especially today. If you look at a lot of Hunex, like there was, I don't know if it still is, but there was a visual novel that came out that got like 10 out of 10s for multiple outlets. And so it suddenly became like the highest ranking game on Metacritic. And Hunex was listed as the developer. It was like, Hunex is the maker of the best video game of all time, at least for the short window where everybody was giving it 10s. <laughs> um, uh, it was like a fun little thing, but uh, Hunex just did the port of the game basically. So so they weren't actually the ones who, who uh, created the game. Um, and that's true for a lot of games Tunex works on where they just kind of work on the port. And if you look at their website, they actually have a pretty just like extensive backlog of release dates and system, or types of games they worked on and things like that that they show. They go show all the way back to when the company was, even before they came, the company was like formally put together and it was just like for certain team members, they have like games listed out for that as well. Um, and, and one section of the website is for ports specifically. So I went back and looked, and Angel Present is a game listed as a port. But I tried to look up what Angel Present was originally for, and I cannot find what that game originally released on. And based off my research, I'm pretty sure that is a Dreamcast-specific game, a Dreamcast exclusive. Unless there's like some weird PC version I am not able to find out about, or maybe it went under a different name or something. Um, it, it's actually probably, that's probably the only version of that game. So my, my best guess is that Hunex didn't, the reason they probably put in that category is one of two things. One, it could be an error. Maybe they meant to put it in the right ones. Uh, but probably I think more likely is that they did like engine work on the game. And so, so they probably like built the actual shell around the game. Um, and the reason why I think that is because the, the artist, um, who did the art for the game is, is the same one who did the art for, uh, Minimum Nanonic, and uh, also that the studio that did Minimum Nanonic um, was listed on their page as the copyright for that, and so I'm guessing that that developer, which I think is called like Studio OX, um, I think there's also like a Polestar company name associated with Minimum Nanonic, blah, 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 blah. Minimum Nanonic, that game's hard to say sometimes, um, I think Polestar is also related to that, so I'm not really sure what their role is, but I think it, it basically, I think this other company made the game and Hunix basically just provided the engine and probably worked on the more technical side of things, which is why it's listed as a port, even though that's the only version of that game that exists. Um, so yeah, um, Vink, I, I'm already getting stuff from Vink right now. I, I went ahead and I'm, I'm trying to get a copy of Cha-Cha 
for the PCFX, which is the um, the board game. Um, I actually bought a copy a while ago, but I bought it specifically for a friend of mine who's a big Cha-Cha fan. And I was kind of hoping he was going to get into PCFX stuff at some point. Because he'd be like, oh yeah, the PCFX, my PCFX bud kind of thing <laughs> at the time. Um, and, and then he never ended up really investing into PCFX. He does have PCFX stuff, but it's usually, it's a lot of the more normal stuff you expect, like Anime Freaks discs and things like that, because it's so dirt cheap to get like Anime Freaks Volume 1 and Volume 3, right? Um, so it, it, it was something that I gave to him, but, but it ended up not really using it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get my own copy cause it looks interesting. It looks a little, it's a little confusing, but I, I want to sit down and really try to figure it out at some point as I do with most PCFX games anyways. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was getting that. I'm also getting like Valkyrie Chronicles three from him as well, because I want to do a fan translation of that. No updates on the Vita translation stuff, by the way, or the Vita soft modding stuff, by the way. I don't know if I talked about that much on the podcast, but I tried soft modding my Vita and I was able to get stuff to hack on there. But when I tried to actually format my SD to Vita, Vita card to run games off a SD card rather than the Vita memory, um, I ran into issues where the, uh, the software kept corrupting. And then it would uninstall itself. And then I'd end up back on the PlayStation home menu without any of the soft modded software installed, which was kind of scary. You know, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to break this thing. PlayStation TVs are not particularly cheap these days. Um, I did just as a precaution buy a new SD DaVita launcher or uh, 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 adapter to see if maybe it has something to do with that. Um, but we'll see how that goes. I don't know. But Valkyrie Chronicles 3 is one of the first games I really want to sit down and, and spend time with once I have that up and running. It was like Fantasy Star Nova, probably. Um, but yeah, Valkyrie Chronicles 3 is one of the games I also got from him as well. Um, but yeah, he, he, he set aside Angel Present for me. Um, and I will probably get it. The Dreamcast is a system that I have not really committed to spending a lot of time with, to be honest. It's a system that I feel... Speaking of, of Vita and PSP and Dreamcast, like those those three systems feel like platforms I have not really given the time of day that I, I probably should. Um, I actually have quite a few Dreamcast games that I have not sat down and played. One of them being um, Elemental Gimmick Gear. That is a game that I really would like to play at some point. Um, but yeah, the Dreamcast is just a system that I, I actually liked a lot growing up. But I just haven't really ever given it the, the, a lot of time, and I've never really went out of my way to buy a lot of games for it. Um, and I think I think part of that's because it was very early. Like when when I first heard of collectors collecting video games, um, you know the the big thing that I heard was NES stuff first and foremost. Um, I know Atari collecting happened before that, and and I know that market kind of kind of went up and down really quick. But um, the the NES collecting was probably the first I really heard about that stuff. And people being like, I I am going for a complete NES collection. Stadium events, all that stuff, right? I feel like the Dreamcast was the second system I really heard anybody ever collecting for. And I'm pretty sure... Well, at the time, I don't know if this is actually true. I, I haven't looked at the number of Dreamcast games there were. But in my mind at the time, it was very much like a... The Dreamcast was kind of a failed system that has this very powerful name along with it, with the, you know, the Sega name, and has a lot of really interesting, unique games on that system that kind of exist within that time and, 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 and probably shouldn't exist if you're trying to like make a successful system in a lot of ways. I say that, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff on the Dreamcast, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but video games are kind of weird back then in general in terms of what you could put out. The Flogian Brothers or whatever. That's 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 When I think of weird Dreamcast games, that's the first thing I always think of is that one game. I kind of want to check it out someday, but anyways, but the Dreamcast is like the first system I could think of that was like 
people really collecting for. And I think part of my mind at that point was like, this is all very expensive stuff. And so therefore I'm not going to really bother trying to go out of my way to get a lot of this stuff. You know, keep in mind, you know, I was looking at buying this stuff probably around the time I was 18. So it was like 2008. Um, so I was not, I did not have a job, did not really have money. So I was kind of scraping by with what I had, just what I was doing for a while with the GameCube and buying cheap stuff there too. But like Dreamcast games typically were like 20 to 30 bucks. Um, the, the more desirable ones at the time, at least. So, so I had a bit more of a challenge grabbing those like on a, on a, on a frequent basis kind of thing. Um, and so I just kind of shut that stuff out. I think, I think I've become very similar with the Saturn and the Super Nintendo where, or really, I think most 16-bit systems, my brain assumes this is expensive. I'm not even going to bother looking at this in terms of like buying and collecting. Like, like I don't want to, I don't want a Saturn. I don't want a Super Nintendo. I don't want a Genesis because I'm just like, what am I going to buy? Something stupid expensive, I guess. That's not true. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm just being over... I'm, I'm too ignorant of what that space looks like at the moment. And my brain makes this assumption about what that space is. And because I already have plenty of other places, I already spend my money. The last thing I want to do is like think of more places to spend money. <laughs> so, so it's definitely one of those, those, those scenarios where I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm okay. Just always thinking that's the case that this is out of my league in terms of stuff to buy. Um, I do worry that PCFX is coming in that way to some degree, but at the same time, um, I don't know that that kind of makes it, it's somewhat exciting that people, some people are caring enough about the PCFX now that that stuff's kind of getting bought up. Um, so that's always exciting. It's, I think the big thing for me is like, you know, as long as you're like playing those games, right? I don't listen to me sitting here talking off my high horse. Don't collect games unless you're playing them. Says the man with three copies of Dirge of Cerberus. Admittedly, I've played all three copies of Dirge of Cerberus. Please. And thank you. But there are video games in my collection that are like, I'm never going to play. Probably I'll probably die before I play them. Um, so, you know, I can't say anything there. Do what you want with your money. Buy what you want. And the nice thing about like Dreamcast and stuff like that, and even PC, PCFX, these, these systems, all their games are pretty much backed up in a way you can pull them if you really need to, right? Like that, you can do what you need to, to get some PCFX in your life or some Saturn. I would love to get like a, um, optical disc emulator for a Saturn, but it just seems like it's so much of a pain at the moment. I, I don't, it sounds like, it sounds like I really keep up with really. I'm not somebody who sits there and like, likes to camp online stores and things like that. I've never been that kind of person. It's part of like what I fear the most about like the analog duo specifically. It's just like, I'm not somebody who's going to really go out of my way to make sure I get an analog duo. I am okay if I don't, but at the same time, the, the, getting a TurboGrafx CD seems like a nightmare in terms of cost. So I don't know. I'll look at the analog duo, but like part of me is like, Hey, if the analog duo duo sells out, I'm going to guess a lot of people are probably going to look at it and be like, God dang it. And be like, well, I'm not really going to analog duo anytime soon. And they'll start buying up PC engine duos and that's going to get more expensive. So I'm like, why do I, do I buy it now? Maybe the day the analog duo happens, what I'll do is I'll, I'll try to get my pre-order in. I'll fail. And then I'll go down to the local GameStop that has a, or not GameStop, game store that I have that has a TurboGrafx view and be like, give me that. Give me that thing. I think they said it's a RGB modded and has like been recapped, um, which would be good. But I don't know. I don't trust those old PC engine drives. All of them sound like they, they just are dying all the time. 
So, but maybe I'm maybe I'm too suspicious. I've heard that the PCFX drive is pretty surprisingly resilient. I forget where I read that. Um, I, I my PCFX drive has largely been fine. I did adjust the uh, potentiometer or whatever it is um, a little bit. Uh, the main be- reason being is that I was having issues with Megami Paradise Two skipping, um, and that's like a retail game that I have actually purchased, not just like a burn game. Um, so I did adjust that a bit, and that helped that out quite a bit. So I don't know if my PCFX is like on the edge of dying. Um, I probably should buy like a replacement uh, laser just to have on hand just in case. Then I have to find somebody who would actually solder it because I'm probably not going to ever solder it. That's like in the list of things like I should learn how to solder someday. And it's like, you're not going to ever learn how to solder, Ben. That's not that's not a part of the life that you're going to have. Hey, guess what? I've run out of things that I'm going to talk about coming off my brain. So we're going to, and you're going to hear a bunch of clicking because I'm doing this while I'm, I'm talking. We're back to the old days of podcasting where I used to just like actively type while I podcast, while I look stuff up and click in. We're going to pull up a uh, video game bit. If you don't know what the video game bit is, it basically is where I go to my backloggery here and I use the fortune cookie feature, which essentially is a feature on the backloggery where I am able to grab a random game out of my collection. I usually mark everything that's been beaten, completed. I don't mark unplayed, and I usually try to avoid unfinished, although sometimes I'll put unfinished in there just for just for, for, for giggles, I guess. Because sometimes I'll like I'll get through most of a game but not finish it. And so it's technically I could talk about it still, but because I haven't finished it, I can't really say it for sure. But most of the time I, I'm I'm pretty good at committing to finishing a game if I if I really invest into it. So we're gonna we're going to open up that game though and see what we get. And hopefully it's a game that we uh, can say something about. Like Machinex, which I don't really want to talk about Machinex, to be honest with you. I feel like we've talked about Machinex quite a bit. So, you know what I'm going to do? We're going to re-roll. Devil May Cry. Eh, eh. Bloodstained Cry. It's worth mentioning. Oh, actually, here's a thing to talk about. Um, so, my copy... My copy. <laughs> uh, my copy of... of Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2 finally came in finally it's actually actually so it's actually a pretty quick turnaround time thinking about it like when it comes to limited run games I'm, I'm pretty sure that thing was this year right if not this year late last year versus like my panzer dragoon remake purchase i don't think that's been delivered to me still i probably need to check to make sure that that is something that is actually hasn't shipped already because i think it's been i think i ordered that in like march last year I could be wrong. It was the PS4 version. So I know the Switch version was before that. And and I was like, actually, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, that being said, I still don't have that Panzer Dragoon remake. And it's just like one of those things that I'm just like, oh my God. Limit run games, please. <laughs> like, I get it. It's hard. Making videos is hard. Um, making physical copy of videos is hard. Uh, but but it is one of those things just like this this... It's part of the reason why I don't really want to be in that space anymore with buying games from them. It's just, just, I don't know when that stuff's coming, when it's coming. I don't remember a lot. Like, I don't know where it's shipping. I hope it's not shipping to my office because there's a potential that we'll be moving offices sometime in the near future. So, like, what if it's going there still? But as far as I'm aware, Panzer Dragoon is the only thing that's still on my backlog of limited run games to get. I really want to play Curse of the Moon uh, 2. Uh, I got to sit down and do it. But right now it just kind of came at a bad time with the PCFX stuff going on. It's really hard for me to really dedicate too much time to any individual game at the moment. Um, so, yeah. And speaking of which, I think uh, the Blaster Master Trilogy, 
I think that is um, uh, shipping, I think, at the end of this month, if I recall correctly, in Japan. So I imported a copy of that. So once it gets here, I'm going to check the um, the languages on there, make sure I can load it up in English. And then uh, and then once I confirm that, I'll go ahead and ship off the um, the two Lumen Run go- copies that I got to my friend of mine. So, yeah. Um, otherwise, I've already talked about B- Bloodstained Curse of the Moon uh, recently, so I don't really want to talk about that either. We're just going to go ahead and select another one. We're just going to flip through these these fortune cookies like, like really quick. Um, but, but, yeah, Lumen Run Games... At, per usual, I appreciate them. I appreciate what they're doing. My internet's being slow, so it's not pulling that cookie at the moment. Um, while I wait for that cookie, uh, I was also... One thing I was thinking about that I, that I forgot I was going to talk about earlier with the Active Life Challenge stuff is the... Um, Konami actually made their own Active Life Challenge style game. It's called Family Challenge in Japan. It's got a nice box in Japan, actually. All these games had like really big, nice big box versions of them because they all came bundled with a mat at some point. Um, and in Japan and Europe, they had really nice packaging for those. Uh, I'm very glad that I don't have regular or like ease of access to those because they are nice boxes that are huge and I don't need those in my life, but it'd be like a fun little thing to like stack up little cubes, right? Have a little cube of family trainers and then put the Konami one on top. But Konami made their own like uh, bootleg family trainer. The game itself does not look amazing. I think it came out here in the West as like family party fun or something like that or fun 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 family party or something like that it's some super generic game and like the the box art is just like a kid like laying down on the mat on the floor and it uses the ddr pad actually for them specifically i don't know how the wii ddr pad works if it's like a gamecube uh controller port as well if it connects to the wii i thought about it i looked at it but i don't have one of those pads and i was like ben you already have four active life games so it's not a big deal don't worry about it. Kabuki Warriors is the game that I got on my uh, uh, fortune cookie here. I feel like Kabuki Warriors is also a game that we've talked about quite a bit recently. Maybe not recently, but I've talked quite a bit about Kabuki Warriors in the past. Um, but the reality is I've clicked through like six games now, so i got to settle on something. What better game to talk about than Kabuki Warriors? One thing I want to talk about a little bit actually with Kabuki Warriors, and I kind of touched on this last week actually, is to what degree do you talk about value when it comes to games, right? Um, it's like something that happened with the Battle of Wonderworld thing. We're, I guess we're not talking about Kabuki Warriors. We're talking about money and the cost of games, but we will get back to Kabuki Warriors. <laughs> like I said, this week's going to be a little rough. Um, but the... the So, like, Battle of Wonderworld, people were like, this game is not worth $60 or whatever, which is fine. I, I paid $60 because that's what I wanted to pay for it, which is, which is good and fun. Um, and then recently I played Tokimeki Card Paradise last week, which I talked about, which I actually like Tokimeki Card Paradise, the strip strip card game. It was it was fun. I had fun with it. People, like, I saw reviews online that were saying it was crap, and I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want to say it's crap. It's, it's definitely not a great game, but it's like it's like a serviceable card game, and it's got, like, nice aesthetics, and it's got nice music, things like that. And then, like, if you don't know, if you haven't seen, like, you know, PC games from Japan or PCFX games even, uh, on those big like plastic cardboard or not cardboard plastic boxes that those those games came in, uh, they usually had the price, the standard MSRP on the label, and that game was like I think eighty eight bucks or something ridiculous. And it's like for a hundred bucks, if I got this card game, whew, that probably would have been something. Uh, but for the price of free, it's a fun little thing, and I think like there's something liberating about that. Of just like not having to think about price when it comes to games, um, 
because that is something that you do think about like in modern reviews. I think that's valuable to modern review, right? It's like, I, like if I, if I went back and looked at those reviews and they were all like, just like a free disc that they got on like a demo, people probably would be like, oh yeah, this is like a neat little thing you can mess with. But because it was like an $80 full release, we were like, um, same thing with like Yoshi touch and go right on the DS, like the context of the price and the, like once you separate the price out, like getting a chance to look at those games and be like, Hey, I paid like a buck for this video game, right? The YY Combat. I paid a dollar for the YY Combat. It's usually a 30 buck game. You're like, is that a game worth $30? Probably not. But for a dollar? Yeah, man. I kind of like that liberation you get out of just like buying games cheap or in the, some cases just like pirating them. I think in some ways, in some ways, I think you can build a better appreciation for them in that way. Um, because you're not locked down to, I spent this much money and I... Um, have to get this much value back out of the game. You can kind of get whatever amount of value you want out of a game in, in, in that regard. Um, like, and, and like Keishin Zanke is a game that's like a thousand dollars on the PCFX and it's only like a 30 minute video game. And if you think about it within that context, heck no, don't play Keishin Zanke. But if you're going to pay even like a hundred bucks back when it came, I don't I actually don't know what the price on this buying is Keishin Zanke. But like, if I, if I pay like a hundred bucks for Keishin Zanke, well, video games were, were a bit different back then. Like, you could get arcade games on a home console, and then, like, the arcade game itself is, like, pretty short, right? But you kind of get more out of, like, you know, playing it over and over again, optimizing the runs, getting higher scores. I don't know if Keishin Zenki has a score. I feel like it probably does. Um, so I, I shouldn't be too critical of Keishin Zenki in that regard, If it, even if it's, like, a $100 game, like a 30-minute playtime kind of thing, right? That's a, that was much more common back then. Um, but, like, today, 1000 bucks or whatever it is, like, no, don't do that. But for free... Hell yeah, Keisha Zenki's rad. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think there's some some value in <laughs> in not necessarily pirating a game, but you know, honestly, if you're buying a game for one dollar used, you know, you're probably might as well be pirating it, right? <laughs> uh, so, I think there's like some value in that. That's just like a thought that just came to my brain right now. So, I'm I'm trying to figure out if there's more there or not. I don't know. Kabuki Warriors was a dollar, and I loved Kabuki Warriors. If I paid six fifty dollars for Kabuki Warriors, I probably would not have loved it. I'm gonna call it quits there. If you if you sat through this episode of me just talking and just going with whatever ended up coming out of my mouth, congratulations, you're here and done. I'm glad you made it, um, and I appreciate you sticking around. We'll be having a more normal episode next week again, probably. I'll talk about what I played on the plane if I played anything. Currently, the plan is Super Metroid. But we'll see if that actually happens. Um, and then, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I should have finished Elibits last week. So if you saw that stream, you'll know if I did or not. We, If we if we did, I did a casual review. Or not casual review. We did a community review of it. Of it. So you can check that out. We um, I don't know if for sure we're playing it. But I picked up... Uh, let me see what this game is. I picked up a game called Super Bubble Pop for the GameCube for 5 bucks, Which seems very cheap for a GameCube game. Uh, probably for good reason. Uh, but I think if we have time after Elibits, I probably played some Super... Or if I had time after Elibits, I probably played some Super Bubble Pop. Um, so if you want to check that out. I actually messed around with a Nintendo 64 controller all of this on offline. So unless I run into problems on the stream using a Nintendo 64 controller on my GameCube, um, then I might actually have used it the whole time for that game specifically. Um, the reason being is that it's a, a puzzle game and, and I would rather have a D-pad than an analog stick for a puzzle game and the GameCube analog stick is hot trash. So I'm using my 64 controller with the D-pad, that fresh D-pad that nobody ever used on their 64 controller. 
your your 64 controller is a secret great like controller with the d-pad um I just wish I knew why I had so much trouble with getting my GameCube adapter to work with it because I would love to play Game Boy Advance games with that 64 controller because like the layout is just like just right for that with the exception of the select button. Select button's off. But the layout for the 64 controller just like fits so nice to that original GBA model. So, so yeah. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlBoard.com is the website. We'll be doing something next week. I don't know for sure what, but uh, we'll be the there will be a podcast and I will be streaming. And then hopefully this PCFX stuff st comes out soon and we can move on with our lives and, and talk about other video games again. <laughs> All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.